0: This week, what I wanted to do, especially on our one-year anniversary, is I just wanted to talk about our vision, Why, who we are, what we want to be. Uh, this is the, the kind of church uh, that we want to be. In. And, and so Stephanie read that scripture because in the beginning, uh, when we were first starting the church, when I thought about what kind of church did we want to be, what kind of community did we want to portray, I constantly kept, back, kept going back to that scripture I mean, this scripture is just the epitome of community. It's when the first church began uh, and you see them just in unity in all these different aspects. Uh, nothing uh, was sacred to them in their life. They gave away everything for one another to advance the gospel uh, and that is the kind of community that I envision us to be when I think about what Zion is and who we are. And so uh, some of you may know this. Some of you may not. Uh, our, our values at Zion are very simple. There are three things. These are three things that we live by. That we constantly want to talk about. That when we evaluate anything that we're doing, we ask ourselves: Are are they holding up to these three things? And and that is community. It is discipleship. It is creativity. Those are our values of the church. When we think about. What kind of things do we want to portray? What kind of things do we want to be like? We want to be a church that has incredible community. That is a church way beyond the auditorium, these four walls, on a Sunday. But we want to get involved in each other's lives. Uh, You know, that may be a good thing and that may be a bad thing, uh, getting involved in one another's lives. But we want to do it. Uh, We want to be discipled and to disciple uh, because discipleship is was Jesus' method of changing the world. He constantly turned away the crowds, but stayed with his disciples and taught them and and had them learn from his life, his teachings, his prayers, all of that. He was with them. And then creativity. Uh, And this is simply being people that walk in their God-given calls in life and uh, being able to shine in that area. And so when I was thinking about Zion, I was thinking how I don't want us to forget this. I want this to constantly be at the forefront of who we are and what we're doing. Because a lot of times what happens uh, as churches get older is they forget that they're a church. You know, and the first things that I want to say is what we are not. We are not a social club. We're not. You know, and, that, and sometimes, unfortunately, that's what church becomes it becomes a a place where you're uh, with your friends you talk and you have a good time but you never experience deeper hunger and thirst for God you you just make you you go home happy but not joyful full of maybe a good friendship but not full of his presence that's not who I want us to be we are not a clique we're not a group that We've decided who our friends are, and nobody else is allowed in. And so our Sunday service is not a bunch of insider talk, where it's just you understand the words, but somebody that's new won't understand those words. That's why we explain what worship is. That's why we like to read scripture the way that we do, because we are not a clique. This is not going to be for a few people. We like worship this way. We like preaching this way. We like the tables like this. That's not our purpose for what we like, because that's a clique. It's all developed around what a few people like. But we are open to new people. We are open to inviting others to join us in our relationship with God, join us in our relationship with others. Where when people come, they don't feel like, oh, I can't penetrate the friendship. I can't penetrate the inner circles that I see going around me. But what are we? And that is we are a church. And a church is... So much more than what we're going to go over today, but I was just praying and asking God, what are some of the things that you have called us to be? And I was meditating on that scripture, meditating on our values this week, and there are a few things that really came to mind. And the, the reason why we are going to do things like a Vision Sunday every once in a while is because we experience this thing that they call scope creep. And scope creep is this, it's, it's when you have a vision for something, when you have a uh, something that you want to accomplish, something that you want to be, and then other things begin to creep into that. And you start thinking, oh, yeah, I know we want to be a church, but wouldn't it be cool if we had a school, right? Or wouldn't it be cool, uh, since culture is doing this, if we started doing things this way to reflect that? And that, that's what scope, scope creep is. Our desire, we may do things, Outside of the church, God may birth some stuff, but as a church, first and foremost, that is what we are, is we are a church. And there are easily things from hundreds of different angles. We're bombarded by ideas. I know I am. Uh, I I was cursed, unfortunately, with the head of an entrepreneur, which just means I have a million ideas every single day, Um, and I just have to shut myself up once in a while and just say, stop. Uh, but culture, media, advertisements, constantly, they're bombarding us with ideas. This is who you should be. This is the way that you should talk. This is the way that you should dress. This is the way that you should act. This is the way that you should gather. And if we think that culture is not speaking to us about how we should be as a church, then we're in trouble because it is. And so we have to, once in a while, just remind ourselves together, who are we? What have we gathered to do, and what is the mission that God has called us to be on? And so the first thing that I thought about that I think is a theme that keeps coming up over and over, and it should be because we read Scripture a lot, and it's this, that we are called to love one another. I know that's a, it's a simple thing, and a lot of things we're going to talk about are simple things. But this is a very hard thing because the standard of love that Jesus gives is way beyond the standard of love that we're usually used to talking about. And Jesus and his apostles and the law of scripture constantly point us to this thing. That if you follow him and you confess Jesus to be Lord, then you must love one another. You have to. Because if you do not, then a single biggest piece of the evidence of your salvation is missing in your life. But we define love a lot of different ways. We define love by goosebumps, by butterflies, by good feelings, good vibes, you know, if I want to be relevant. This is what we define love as, right, or... You know, how, how, how nice do I feel when I talk to this person? And, you know, do I, do I get the goosebump sensation when I'm around them? But that is not love in Scripture. I love definitions in Scripture of things because they just always just kind of pop the bubble of, of the world that we put ourselves in. Love. One of the definitions that is given to love in Scripture is long-suffering. You know that? Long-suffering. Another definition of love that scripture gives is not getting your own way. I could preach on that for like four months, and we probably still wouldn't get it. (laughs) Love deeply changes how we treat other people. It changes how we act towards others when we see them so that when we come to church and we experience together, when the congregation gets together, it's not only about how I feel, but we actually start to go out of our way to make other people feel comfortable. Oh, you're a new person here. How can I serve you? You're about to take the last cinnamon raisin bagel, and I wanted that. I see that you're coming, but you know what? You know what love is? Love is giving that person the last cinnamon raisin bagel when that was the one you wanted and you refuse to eat the salt bagel. I don't know who eats salt bagels. If you do, I'm sorry. That's just, that's strange to me. I feel like I ate a salt bagel this morning and that's why I need my water. But that, that is love when you see, and I don't know why, they know that the cinnamon raisin is the best one, so they only give us like three of them every week. But love is saying, I want that. But you know what? You can have it. Love is saying to somebody, you know, I really want to do it this way, but we're going to do it your way. It's true. Love, you know what love for me is? Love is when we're merging in a lane and I'm driving and the person to my right is going slow and I don't speed up and cut them off. That is love. That is me not getting my own way. That is God working deeply in my heart. Love is when somebody cuts me off and I don't speed up around them, cut them off, and then go really slow. That is love. Love. And we as a church are called to love one another. You know, a lot of people think salvation just deals with your relationship with God. That it says that I believe in you, God, and I reaffirm and reconnect my relationship with you. But salvation not only reconnects and reaffirms our relationship with God, but it also reaffirms the original intention for relationship with one another, which is a loving relationship. That we show honor and hospitality towards one another. That I invite you into my home even though I may not know you. That we take care of the stranger in our midst. That we realize it's not the welcome team's job to say hi to people. It's our job to say hi to people. That is love. That we can come outside of our comfort zone and maybe suffer for a little bit for the benefit and the good of somebody else. That is love. Love is getting in somebody's face when they offend you and not passively, aggressively torturing them for months because of something they didn't even realize they did to you. It's a little too silent for that one, but it's okay. (laughs) That that, that is, if if we had to define church culture in America, that would be the definition of church culture. It would be passive-aggressive torture. Because we are... The facade carriers. We're good at it. That's, you know, that's human nature. But love goes beyond that and says, I'm going to have an uncomfortable conversation with you. I'm not going to scream at you. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm just going to bring my offense towards your feet. And you can do what you want, but I have forgiven you because I have been forgiven of way worse by my Savior. That is love. Love is saying to somebody, even even what you've done, even though you gave me the side eye, even though you gave me the cold shoulder, even though this happened, it is still that I will not be bitter towards you. That we're going to hash this out, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how painful it may be for both of us to have this conversation, that is love. Second thing is we are called to tell others about what has happened in our life. You know, a lot of people, mission statements, that's like the the big craze in corporations. And it's become the big craze of churches. Uh, and, And for a long time, it was my big craze. I was thinking, how do we think of the coolest mission statement, you know, that we can rally everybody around and get it done. And I remembered one day, Jesus gave us our mission statement. Before he ascended into heaven, he said, this is what you need to do. This is your job. This is your mission. You are my messenger. You are my witness until the ends of the earth, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our mission. Our church, this is not a clique. This is not just for ourselves. We exist for other people. Does your neighbor know about what has happened in your life? Does your family know about what God has done in your heart? Have your coworkers found out about the change and why it has happened and your attitude and your demeanor and your heart? Have you thought of somebody lately that God has put on your heart that he wants to use you to speak to, to witness to? See, we are called to tell others about what has happened. If the only point of salvation was to get into heaven, the moment we were saved, we would be in heaven. God would just take us. But we have a mission to accomplish. We were given something to do. And as a church, we can't forget about our mission. We can't forget about what God has called us to do. He said, go into all the earth. That didn't spill, thank God. (laughs) Tell people about what has happened here, about his resurrection, about his burial. And how that resurrection has translated into a resurrection of your life. Because that's the best witness of the gospel. When you tell people, look at the evidence of salvation in my heart. I used to be a drug dealer. I used to be an alcoholic. I used to be a porn addict. I used to be uh, the the angriest, hateful person, a, a rageaholic. I used to do this. I used to do that. But look at what God has done. And people will notice that in your life, and they'll wonder, and they'll question, and you'll be able to have those conversations. Do your friends, your neighbors, and your family, do they know about what God is doing in your life? This is the Great Commission, the mission that we have been given. We are also called to be part of the body. Church is not a spectator sport. You know, we've we've made it a lot like it in the big arenas and TV where we can just be mass consumers as we like to be in America. But it's not. It's not a spectator sport. See, Jesus, Paul says that we are part of the body. Jesus says we're part of the vine. We are not experiencing church if we just attend it. And that's the truth. See, God doesn't call us to be seat warmers. He doesn't call us to be spectators. He calls us to action. Now, of course, there are times in our life where we need a break, and that's fine. I'm not, I don't want to be legalistic. But God has called us to be part of the body. And this is what happens when we become a seat warmer, when we become a consumer instead of Participant. This is what happens. What happens is we have a body, but we're missing an arm. We have a body, but we're missing a foot. We're missing an eye. We're missing a hand. We're missing a knee. If you've ever had an ailment or if you do have an ailment where you're missing a part of your body or a part of your body is not functioning right, you realize how that messes up the entire body. And a lot of times we were just saying, oh, I'm not needed or I'm not wanted. But the truth is, without your contribution to the body, there is something messed up in this body. Without the contribution of your gifts and your talent, what God has uniquely placed in you to bless the church with today, there is something missing in this body that it is not functioning properly. There's something called the 80-20 rule. And this rule says that in every organization, even in the church, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. I hate that statistic. I hate it, uh, even though in large part is why I hate it, because it's true. But I don't think it should be true for the church. I don't. I think the church should be a city on a hill. A shining example of what it means for people to walk in unity to accomplish a mission together. Imagine what people would say if they come to a church and a place where people serve alongside one another, where it's not just a few people doing all the work, but they see the entire body. Even if you're not on a team or doing something, but you just help. That is what the church is, is we are an alternative example to the system that the world understands. They live in a sinful and a corrupt system. This is the world that we live in. But when we come to the church, God calls us to be an alternate system that is full of his glory and does not replicate the sinful systems of the world, but instead replicates his love, his glory, his justice, his unity, his body. That is what we are. So I pray that We continue to be a church that serves. That we can be people that say, you know what, Justin, I want to be part of the body. And the truth is, is that we're missing something. I sure do not have all the gifts needed. If you ever heard me sing, you probably did today. Then you realize, I'm not called to be a worship leader. Thank God for Jess and Ilea I'm not called to be a drummer, a piano player, I tried. I'm not called to cook, tried that. Heather wishes I was, but I'm not. Sorry. She's still believing God for otherwise. Been praying against that for a while now. <laughs> My wife isn't over what I just said right now. It's okay. <laughs> right, there are gifts, talents that each and every one of us has that we'll bless the body with. Even if it's for a short amount of time that you can. And last of all, I pray that we continue to be hungry for more of God. You know, I, I don't want us to ever walk away or, or, or be a church that loses our desperation. You know, it's, it's easy, you know, in the beginning it was, it was a lot easier to be desperate for God because we literally had nothing else to rely on. We would just look around in core meetings and just kind of go, all right, we're doing this. Where's the plan? We're all going to show up Sunday morning. Hopefully we have enough people to do what we need to do. And so really, we were truly desperate for God. God, do something because we sure are not going to do it. And that bore a lot of fruit because as we look back in the year, we look back at that video, all the things that have happened, I'm just, I'm blown away. How did that happen? We don't even have a church calendar, folks. I know I'm throwing our laundry out there right now. <laughs> but God. <laughs> Come on, that just felt like that moment right there. I had to, I had to do it. <laughs> And that, that's really what it is. It's like, wow, how is this going to happen? God, you have to come. And guess what? He showed up. And in the next 10, 20, 30 years, I don't want to look at our team and say, we have what we need in the room. But I want to say, God, we still are desperate for what you can bring. Father, we want you to show up on Sunday. We want you to come during the week. And we want you to move in our hearts, in this neighborhood, in this city. Because just like I have a testimony of what you've done in my life, I want this neighborhood to have a testimony of what you've done since we have been able to do your work here. We want this city's testimony of renewal and deep change in his spirit to continue because of the part we play in it. Where we can... Always say it doesn't matter what we have in the room because if we just go off what we have, we're still missing the most important piece. God, we need you. May we be a people that never leave our desperation and our hunger for God. That when we wake up in the morning, we want him. When we go to sleep, we think about him. That in our dreams, we dream about him. That we open our Bibles and we just say, God, I read this because I want to know more about you. That we pray because we say, God, I want to be conformed to your image and to your will because there's no one else in this world. There's no one else I want to be like, more like you. There's no one else I treasure more than you. There's no one else that I can see myself becoming other than what you have called me to be. That we realize that If I don't have him, then I have nothing. And every moment, every day, I get to renew my desire and my hunger and that desperation for him. That I cannot go one day without community with him. That if I go to sleep without being with him, I feel like there's something in my life missing. There's something that didn't happen today that should have happened. That as a congregation, when we gather on Sundays, that we would not be dependent on the musicians, that we wouldn't be dependent on the preacher, that we wouldn't be dependent on the welcome to have a good time, but that we would come hungry and desperate to see God move. Father, are people being transformed by you? Are people being saved? Are they coming to the glory and the knowledge of your salvation We pray that we would be people that are hungry for you. That we would not lose our desperation no matter how many systems or good calendars or everything that we have that are good that we should have or strategy that we would not strategize you out of the conversation. That's the type of church that we want to be that no matter how big we get or where we grow to that we can always rely on the Holy Spirit for everything that we have. That our prayer would be, Father, I want nothing else but you. This is the type of church that we want to be. That we're loving others, this is community. That we're hungry for God, this is discipleship. That we're serving in our gifts, this is creativity. And that we're reaching out to those that do not know him, this is our mission. So today there's a very simple call to action. That if, if you want to be part of our church, we want to invite you to be part of our church today. I'm actually, Yadi, can you come up here real quick? Yadi is going to be outside right after service. There's a table over there. And we've had incredible people in 2017 say, we're going to be part of the team. We're going to serve. And we couldn't do it without those people. In 2018, God is going to continue to grow us. He's going to continue to do more. And we need people to say, you know what? I'm going to be part of the team in 2018. So I asked Yadi, I said, can you get a table and a sign-up sheet outside? This is my great planning, everybody. And after service, whoever comes to you that to sign up, just get their name and their number and their email. And that's all we need is willing hearts. So now you know what Yadi looks like. You can say hi to him after service. He'll be right outside. And I want to invite you. If you hear what God is doing, then I invite you to be a part of what he is doing. And some of you, it may be a while before you figure out if you want to call this place home or you want to be a part of what God is doing here. And that's fine. Come, join us, worship with us, pray with us, listen to the word with us. We, we love when people gather with us to do that. And it may be some time before people can make that decision, but if you feel like, all right, I'm ready to make that decision. I'm ready to be a part of this family. I'm ready to at least just do something may not know what it is. may not know what capacity you can do it. But if you want to be a part, we make that available for you. After service, you can walk right outside. You'll see Yachty there and just put your name, your number, and your email, and we'll contact you. We got a lot of places that need help. And most importantly, I'm excited about what God wants to do in this church. We're one years old. I mean, look around you for a second. Just take a moment to look around you for a second. I wanna let everybody know that what is, what is here after one year is abnormal. It is. This should not be like this after a year. And this is not because I'm amazing, I'll tell you that. It's not because our leaders are amazing, I'll tell you that. It's because God had an intention for us and he put his hand on our work and we had people respond to that call. And say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. And we join God in the renewal of his work. And we get to see the fruit of that today through video, through worship, through the seats that are filled. But I can say, God, I know you're not done. It's only been one year. We have so many years ahead of us of your work in our city. And I invite you to be a part of that work, to be a part of serving in that, to say yes, to God, I want to be, I want to join you in the renewal of all things. I'm gonna invite the worship team. We're gonna sing, they're gonna sing us out one more song. And I just want us to worship and celebrate what God has done. That he has brought a family together. That he has called us to join him, and that he is made us a church. This is Zion. And we worship and we celebrate him in that. So if you can, just stand with me. We're just going to sing one last song. Give glory to God. The last thing I want is for any one person to take glory for what has happened, but for us to just worship God and say, thank you, Father, for what you've done. And just, we want to praise you one last time.
1: time. And I